Welcome to Daily Defining Moments. This is Pastor Allen, and I'm so glad you're with me. Our goal each day is to help you open your Bible and connect with Jesus. Remember, before I begin my day, God has something to say. We're reading through the New Testament portion of the one-year Bible in the New Living Translation. Today is February 15th, and our reading comes from Mark chapter 1. Now remember, Mark is a disciple of of Christ and an eyewitness to the life and ministry of Christ. He's not just reporting on what he's heard. This is what he saw. This is what he experienced. This was his life. Beginning in verse one, he says, this is the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. It began just as the prophet Isaiah had written, look, I'm sending my messenger ahead of you and he will prepare your way. He is a voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord's people, clear the road for his coming. This messenger was John the Baptist. He was in the wilderness and preached that people should be baptized to show that they had repented of their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. So John the Baptist has come to announce the arrival and to prepare our hearts for the arrival of the Messiah. When people heard his message, man, they were stirred up. They were opening their heart, opening their spirit to what God was about to do. And baptism was a picture of that. It was a public declaration. I've turned back to God. I've turned away from independence. I've turned away from sin. I've turned away from secularism. I'm opening my heart. You've got to remember in this moment, for 400 years, there's not been a prophet in Israel. And the Jewish people are oppressed by the Romans. And they are wondering, has God forgotten us? So when John shows up and preaches that God's about to do something new and fresh, the Jewish people were stirred up, excited, and they were opening their hearts and they were being baptized as a sign of their repentance, repentance from their hopelessness and their lack of faith. And they were opening their heart and preparing themselves to receive what Jesus was coming to give them. Verse 5, all of Judea, including all the people of Jerusalem, went out to see and to hear John. And when they confessed their sins, he baptized them in the Jordan River. His clothes were woven from coarse camel hair, and he wore a leather belt around his waist. For food, he ate locusts and wild honey. Well, why did John dress so weird? Well, John is a Nazarite. That means he took a vow. He has dedicated his entire life to Jesus. So he lives in the wilderness. He's not trying to accumulate any wealth. He doesn't try to do a, a regular job, career, trade like most people would. He's just dedicated himself to serving the Lord and preaching about the coming Messiah. Being a Nazarite means he didn't drink anything from a grape. He didn't ever touch a dead body. He never cut his hair. All of that was just simply setting him himself aside for a very special task, purpose, and moment. And of course, that moment is the announcement of Jesus, the Messiah, which is about to happen. Watch this. Verse 7, someone, John said, is coming soon who is greater than I am. So he's talking about Jesus. So much greater that I'm not even worthy to stoop down like a slave and untie the straps of his sandals. And I just love the humility there of John the Baptist. 
that even though he's this great prophet who holds a very significant place in redemptive history, he also recognizes, I'm just a man. The Messiah is coming. And I just think we've got to be careful in American culture. Sometimes if you're a, a pastor or you're a spiritual leader in some regard, sometimes we, you know, we kind of have this celebrity culture around Christian leaders. And at the end of the day, Christian leaders are simply servants. And like John, we're pointing people to Jesus. He is the superstar. So I just love his humility. And he says in verse eight, I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you in the Holy Spirit. I love that. The word baptize simply means to immerse. And so what Jesus has come to do is to reunite us to God. Remember, in the garden, heaven and earth are the same place before sin. God created the world, created the garden, put Adam and Eve there. And God and Adam and Eve, they live together in the garden. Heaven and earth are one. But Genesis 3, Adam and Eve declared their independence. They rebel against God. Heaven and earth are ripped apart. Man and God are separated by sin. Revelation 21 and 22, the last two chapters of the Bible, once again, heaven and earth are one. God is is back with man. We live together in a new heaven and a new earth forever and ever and ever. So what Jesus is doing is Jesus is entering into our world in order to reunite us to the Father. This is so important. Jesus didn't come just so we can go to heaven. Jesus came to unite us to God. Jesus came so that we could know and walk with him and be one with him. So he says he's going to baptize us with the Holy Spirit. Now, baptize means to immerse. So when we place our faith and trust in Jesus, our sin is forgiven and the Spirit of God comes to live inside of us. We become one with God. We've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. And then as you look throughout the New Testament, there's this phrase, baptism of the Holy Spirit or in filling of the Holy Spirit. And what it means is we're living under the influence, under the control, empowered, anointed, gifted by the Holy Spirit to live for Jesus, to represent his kingdom. And just like John, we want to point people to Jesus. Just like John, we're set apart for the kingdom of God, for the Great Commission to point people to Jesus. And again, I think one of the things we have to be careful about in American culture is we can be so caught up in culture that we're not set aside for Jesus and we're not pointing people to him. So we have to be careful. It's not that everything in our culture is evil and we need to move into the wilderness and wear weird clothes like John. But what we do need to think about is how do I leverage my life to point the people I have influence to Jesus so that they can discover new life in him. We cannot turn our back on the Great Commission. Remember at the end of chapter 28 yesterday, Jesus says, here's what I want you to do. I'm leaving, but I'm leaving here, you here to go and make disciples of all the nations. That is our responsibility. And sometimes evangelical Christians have thought, well, let's just elect the right person in Washington so we don't have to bother ourselves with the Great Commission. Come on, y'all. 
We are the ones called to represent Jesus in our world. Listen, a politician's not going to represent Jesus. That's my job. That's our job. We want to represent Jesus and point people to Jesus. And at the end of the day, if we fail to do that, there's nothing that happens in Washington or in the state or even in the local legislature that can fix what's happening in our world. We have a heart problem. What people need is a baptism in the Holy Spirit. What people need is to be reunited to Jesus. And that's what we're here to do. And that's what John was here to do. So Jesus is baptized. And it says, verse 11, after he comes up out of the water, that there's a voice that says, you're my dearly loved son, and you bring me great joy. And I think we need to hear God speaking that over us. God loves us. We are God's children, and we bring God great joy. Listen to that again. Every person listening this morning, I want you to consider this. You are loved by God. God is your Father. And you, despite your imperfection, despite your past, you bring Him great joy. Now, because that's true, let's draw near to Him and allow the God who lives in us by our faith in Jesus to produce His life, His kingdom in us. God loves you. Verse 12, the Spirit compelled Jesus into the wilderness. Isn't that interesting? Sometimes when we find ourselves in a wilderness, in a place of suffering, in a place of want, scarcity, Sometimes it's because God has led us there. Why? Because he's testing us and he's building our character. He's bringing us into a season of growth. And Jesus is going through that to prepare to announce his ministry. Verse 14, later on, John was arrested. Jesus went into Galilee where he preached God's good news. The time promised by God has come at last, he announced. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent of your sins and believe. Believe the good news. The kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus, God is present. So repent, which means turn back to me. Receive this good news. Believe the good news that the favor of the Lord is here. God is here. I've come for you. Believe in me. Then Jesus, one day, he's walking by the shore of Galilee. He sees Simon and Andrew, says, come follow me. And watch, he says, and I'll show you how to fish for people. If we follow Jesus, we're going to go fishing for men. If we follow Jesus, God is going to produce in our heart and life a passion for his mission, which again is pointing people to Jesus. Then verse 19, a little further, Jesus runs into Zebedee's sons, John and James, same thing. He says, come follow me. And they left their father, they left their business, and they followed Jesus. Now here's an important question. Why would these four guys immediately leave their families, leave their nets, leave their business in order to follow Jesus? Well, it's because following a rabbi in Jewish culture was a tremendous honor. These men at some point, probably around 12 years old, it was decided that intellectually they weren't cut out for seminary and preparation for ministry. So they 
went to work with their father and picked up a trade. So now Jesus comes along and says, no, I'm picking you. And this was a tremendous honor. And so they were glad to leave everything and follow Jesus. Now, last thing, verse 21, Jesus and his companions went into the town of Capernaum, and it was this Sabbath day. He's teaching with great authority. Let's skip down to verse 23. And suddenly a man in the synagogue, possessed by evil spirit, cried out, why are you interfering with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And Jesus reprimanded him. Be quiet. Come out of the man. He ordered. And at that time, the evil spirit screamed, threw the man into convulsion, and they came out. Everybody was amazed. And I just want to point out, once again, Jesus does a miracle on the Sabbath. And he will be accused throughout his ministry of violating the Sabbath when he does a miracle. But remember, this man is oppressed. He's carrying a terrible burden. And the Sabbath is about rest. So Jesus isn't breaking the Sabbath. He's actually fulfilling the Sabbath. He's bringing Sabbath into this man's life. He's bringing rest into this man's life who's been carrying and living with the burden of possession and oppression for years. Jesus sets him free. Jesus lightens his load. Jesus leads him into new life, and he wants to do the same thing for me and for you. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much. What a great chapter. So many good nuggets here. Well, Lord, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for how it encourages and teaches and instructs us. God, we pray that you just open our hearts and prepare us to receive today everything that you have for us. And God, use us to point people to Jesus to transform our world. God, bring rest and peace into our lives. Baptize us again today, fresh and anew in your spirit. Anoint us and empower us, God, to serve you and to serve the people around us. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Man, hope that encourages you. Thanks for being with me again today. And remember, before I begin my day, God has something to say. We'll see you again tomorrow.